Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. And make sure to check out sportshistorynetwork.com slash giveaways. I have two signed books I'm giving away. One is titled No Nonsense Old School Weight Training, and the other is Reliving 1970s Old School Football. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hello, sports fans, and welcome to another edition of Yesterday Sports on the Sports History Network. This is the second segment on my life as a fan of the Dallas Cowboys. By this time, rooting for the Cowboys had become a family event. If the Cowboys were on TV, time stood still. The Do Not Disturb sign was out on the door, and whatever had to get done was done before the game started. We went to Mass on Saturday evening, or early Sunday morning, which allowed us to spend our Sunday afternoons with the Cowboys. Visits to our grandparents and other family were all planned out according to the Dallas Cowboys schedule. Everyone knew not to call us or visit us when the Cowboys were on TV. My mother planned our dinner either before the game or after the game. When the Cowboys scored a touchdown, no one cheered louder than Mom, and in her eyes, Roger Staubach and Tom Landry could do no wrong. My father, who had been a New York Giants fan his whole life, was now rooting for the Cowboys. I guess he didn't want to root against the team that had become so important in the lives of his two sons. We didn't know what to expect from the 1975 season. Veterans Bob Lilly, Cornell Green, Dave Manders, and Walt Garrison had all retired during the offseason. The Cowboys traded Bob Hayes, John Nyland, and Craig Morton. Star running back Calvin Hill joined the WFL. That's a lot of big shoes to fill. But we knew as long as coach Tom Landry and quarterback Roger Staubach were there, the team was not in all that bad a shape. Regardless, most of the so-called experts had predicted a long season for the Dallas Cowboys. Most said they would be fortunate to finish with a 500 winning percentage and the playoffs were highly unlikely. It would be a rebuilding year for Dallas. But what the experts failed to understand is that the Cowboys don't rebuild, they reload. Led by the Cowboys Vice President, Gil Brandt, the scouting team for the Cowboys pulled off one of the best drafts in NFL history. In all, 12 rookies made the team. Among them were offensive tackle Pat Donovan, who went on to a great career, earning Pro Bowl honors four times. Middle linebacker Bob Brunig went on to play in three Pro Bowls, and guard Herb Scott was also a three-time Pro Bowl selection. Thomas Henderson, perhaps the best all-around athlete on the team, became one of the best outside linebackers in the league until a drug addiction led to his downfall. 
One of them, a young man named Randy White, went on to have a Hall of Fame career. They nicknamed him the Manster, and they tagged the 12 rookies as the Dirty Dozen. Another valuable addition to the team was Preston Pearson, who came over from the Pittsburgh Steelers. Along with Pearson and the Dirty Dozen, the Cowboys still had some seasoned veterans on the team. Players like Rayfield Wright, Jethro Pugh, Leroy Jordan, and Mel Renfro provided valuable leadership. To everyone's surprise, the Cowboys started the season off with four wins in a row and finished the season at 10-4. They were to meet the defending NFC champion Minnesota Vikings in the playoffs. Dallas was the underdog in this game, but going into the fourth quarter, the Cowboys held the lead at 10-7 in a hard-hitting defensive battle. The Vikings had only one good offensive drive the whole game, but it came at the right time. In the fourth quarter, the Vikings scored the go-ahead touchdown to take a 14-10 lead. Dallas had the ball with just under two minutes left in the game, but they couldn't get anything going and faced a fourth down and 16 for the first down. It looked like their Cinderella season was over. But Roger Staubach thought otherwise and hit Drew Pearson for a 25-yard gain and a first down. Two plays later, from the 50-yard line, Staubach launched a pass to Drew Pearson that was slightly underthrown. Pearson reached back for the ball, caught it against his hip, and ran it in for the winning touchdown. After the game, a reporter asked Staubach about the play. Staubach said he just threw the ball up and said a Hail Mary prayer. The play became known as the Hail Mary Pass. Dallas traveled to Los Angeles to face a powerful Rams team that had destroyed an excellent St. Louis Cardinals team in the playoff game. The Rams entered the NFC title game with a 13-2 record. There were still some who refused to give the Cowboys their due saying they won on a fluke play and ignoring the fact that Dallas had outplayed Minnesota. The Cowboys had outgained the Vikings 356 yards to 215 for the Vikings. The Cowboys played perhaps their best game of the entire season against the Rams. It was never even close. Dallas beat Los Angeles in every phase of the game and walked away with a 37-7 victory. Now it was on to Miami for their third Super Bowl appearance. This team that few predicted to finish with a winning record had proven everyone wrong. Dallas would be facing the defending Super Bowl champion Pittsburgh Steelers. Once again, no one gave the Cowboys a chance to win. But here they were, leading by a 10-7 score in the fourth quarter. The Steelers went on to win 21-17 in one of the best Super Bowls ever played. Naturally, our family was disappointed that they lost, but it had been a fantastic season that none of us could have expected. We all looked forward to the 1976 season. After 10 weeks, the Cowboys stood at 9-1. and 
and we were all feeling very confident about a return trip to the Super Bowl. But in the next five games, the boys lost three times, including a 14-12 loss to the Rams in the playoffs. Just like that, the season was over. In 1977, four of the Dirty Dozen were no longer with the team, but the other eight players were now in their third season, and they were all contributing to the team's success, especially Randy White. White was not a starter in his first two seasons, simply because they couldn't quite decide which position was right for him. They tried him at middle linebacker, outside linebacker, and defensive end. During the offseason, White trained extra hard with heavy weightlifting and gained about 15 pounds of muscle. They decided to try him at defensive tackle, where he developed into a Hall of Fame player. But the most significant boost to the team was getting Heisman Trophy winner Tony Dorsett in the draft. Dorsett finished the season with over 1,000 yards and gave the Cowboys their first game-breaking runner since Calvin Hill left the team before the 1975 season. After eight weeks, the Cowboys were undefeated. They then lost two straight, but bounced back with four wins in a row. They faced the Walter Payton-led Chicago Bears in the NFC playoffs, and it was no contest. The Cowboys breezed to a comfortable 37-7 win holding Walter Payton to just 60 yards rushing. The following week, they faced the Minnesota Vikings in the NFC title game. Once again, it was no contest, as the Cowboys coasted to a 23-6 victory, earning them a trip to their fourth Super Bowl appearance, where they faced the Denver Broncos. The Cowboys' doomsday defense made life miserable for former Cowboys quarterback Greg Morton. Randy White and Harvey Martin were named co-MVPs as Dallas defeated the Broncos 27-10 to win their second Vince Lombardi Trophy. 1978, after opening the season with a 38-0 win over the Colts on Monday Night Football, the Cowboys lost four of their next nine games, but then proceeded to win eight in a row, which included a hard-fought win against the Atlanta Falcons in the playoffs and a 28-0 win over the Rams in the NFC title game. In the playoff game against the Falcons, Roger Staubach suffered a concussion and had to leave the game. With the Cowboys trailing 20-13 at halftime, Backup quarterback Danny White came off the bench and rallied the team to a 27-20 victory. After their win over the Rams in the NFC title game, the Cowboys headed to Miami for their record fifth Super Bowl appearance. Their opponent would be the Pittsburgh Steelers. The winner of this game would become the first team to win three Super Bowls. Unlike the defensive battle between these two teams just three years earlier, this Super Bowl turned into a high-scoring offensive attack. The lead went back and forth until the Steelers broke it open in the fourth quarter with a 35-17 lead. 
Led by Captain Comeback, Roger Staubach, the Cowboys came roaring back, but fell short 35-31. to It was a tough loss to take for our family, because it was now the third Super Bowl they lost, with all three going down to the final minute. But we felt confident that this would not be their last Super Bowl appearance. Little did we know they wouldn't see a Super Bowl again for the next 13 years. In the 1979 season, Drew Pearson, Tony Hill, and Tony Dorsett all gained over 1,000 yards. Although it was a good season, it was not one of their best. They finished the regular season with an 11-5 record. And at one point in the season, they lost four out of five games. The season's highlight was a thrilling come-from-behind victory over the Redskins in the final game. The Cowboys had to come back twice in this game. In the third quarter, they took a 21-17 lead after trailing 17-0. And in the fourth quarter, they had to come back again from a 34-21 deficit. They won the game 35-34 in one of Roger Staubach's finest games. The win not only put them in the playoffs, but knocked the rival Redskins out of contention. They faced the Los Angeles Rams in the playoffs and led 19-14 with just over two minutes to play, but a 50-yard touchdown pass gave the Rams a 21-19 victory. And just like that, the Cowboys' season was over. Little did anyone know it would be Roger Staubach's final game. 1980. On March 31, 1980, Roger Staubach announced his retirement. Backup Danny White would now be the starting quarterback. The season started with a convincing 17-3 win over the Redskins and the Cowboys finished the regular season with a 12-4 record. They would play the Rams in the wild card playoff game. They had just played the Rams two weeks earlier on Monday Night Football and suffered an embarrassing 38-14 defeat. However, they turned the tables on the Rams in the playoff game, winning easily 34-13. Tony Dorsett ran wild, gaining 160 yards on the ground and scoring two touchdowns. The following week, they played the Falcons. Although Dallas fell behind 24-10, Danny White, who must have paid close attention to all those Roger Staubach comebacks, performed a remarkable comeback of his own, and the Cowboys prevailed 30-27. In the NFC title game against the Eagles, the halftime score was 7-7. But the Cowboys' offense could not move the ball in the second half, and Eagles running back Wilbert Montgomery ran for 196 yards. The Cowboys lost 20-7. 1981, safety Cliff Harris retired after the 1979 season so the Cowboys were looking to strengthen their secondary. They drafted cornerback Everson Walls, and he did not disappoint. 
Walls led the league in interceptions with 11. Bissett had the best season of his career, rushing for 1,646 yards. After 10 weeks, the Cowboys were 8-2 and finished the season with a 12-4 record. In the playoffs, they defeated the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 38-0. They then traveled to San Francisco for the NFC title game. The 49ers had beaten Dallas by a 45-14 score in Week 6, but this game would be different. It was a close game all the way through, and Dallas held a 27-21 lead with less than a minute left in the game. But with 58 seconds remaining, Joe Montana hit Dwight Clark in the end zone for a touchdown. The extra point made the score 28-27. Dallas got the ball back on the kickoff, and Danny White hit Drew Pearson at the 50-yard line. Pearson was off to the races for what seemed to be a touchdown, until Eric Wright reached out to grab Pearson from behind with a game-saving tackle. The Cowboys fumbled on the next play, and our hopes for a sixth Super Bowl appearance were dashed. 1982. In a strike-shortened season, the Cowboys finished 6-3. They made short work of the Buccaneers and the Packers in the playoffs, and were off to Washington, D.C. to play the Redskins in the NFC title game. The Redskins came into this game with a 10-1 record, including their two playoff wins, their one loss coming against the Cowboys. This time, the Redskins got their revenge. John Riggins ran for 140 yards on 36 carries, and the Redskins won 31-17, making it the third year in a row the Cowboys lost the NFC title game. We were beginning to lose hope that they would ever get to the Super Bowl again. 1983. The Cowboys started the season with a rematch against the Super Bowl champion Washington Redskins on a hot and humid night in D.C. The Redskins jumped out to a 23-3 halftime lead, but the Cowboys came back to win 31-30. After seven weeks, the Cowboys were undefeated and it looked like that sixth Super Bowl appearance was still possible after all. But they lost five of their next ten, including a loss to the Rams in the playoffs. 1984. The Cowboys finished with a disappointing 9-7 record and missed the playoffs for only the second time in 19 years. 1985. After eight weeks, the Cowboys were 6-2, but they lost five of their next nine. Three losses were humiliating defeats, losing 44-0 to the Bears, 50-24 to the Bengals, and a 20-0 to the Rams in the playoffs. It was clear the Cowboys' dynasty was coming to an end. 1986 the Cowboys suffered their first losing season since 1964, finishing the season with a 7-9 record. 
It only got worse from that point. In 1987, they finished 7-8. And, and in 1988, they finished an embarrassing 3-13. Some pointed the blame at Coach Tom Landry, saying the game had passed him by. But what really caused the Cowboys' demise was that they no longer dominated the draft as they had in the 1960s and 1970s. The other teams had caught up to them regarding the draft, and they were no longer getting the best players or the undiscovered players. In 1989, Jerry Jones took over as the new owner. Jones fired Coach Landry and hired Jimmy Johnson as the new coach. Three years later, the Cowboys won their third Super Bowl. They won their fourth the following year and a fifth two years later. 1992 to 1995 were gratifying years to be a Cowboys fan. But nothing would ever compare to the Dallas Cowboys of my youth. This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Hey there, Sports History fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Hello, football friends. This is Darren Hayes of the Pigskin Dispatch Podcast, and I'd like to invite you to the portal of positive football history, Pigskin Dispatch and pigskindispatch.com. We talk about everything that centers around the game of American football, expert discussions, the origins of the games, the great players, teams, and coaches, and more, and some great guests and insights from experts. We have new episodes three to four times a week, and you can find us on sportshistorynetwork.com, pigskindispatch.com, or your favorite podcast provider. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.